Welcome to this podcast brought to you by Division 22 Science Committee in collaboration with Rehabilitation Psychology, the Journal of Division 22. I'm Stephen Wegener, the editor of the journal. In each of these podcasts, we will highlight one article from a recent issue of the journal. This will allow readers to gain additional insight and information on the topic. In this podcast, we feature an article from our 2015 issue, Resilience, Traumatic Brain Injury, Depression, and Post-Traumatic Stress Among Iraq, Afghanistan War Veterans by Dr. Tim Elliott and his colleagues. Joining us for this podcast is Dr. Elliott, a professor in the Department of Educational Psychology in the College of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M University. Welcome, Tim. Let's start off by giving us an introduction to this line of research on resiliency. Steve, we conducted this research because we're very interested in the idea of resilience, uh, particularly as it pertains to our veterans. It's a curious issue because resilience is is a ubiquitous concept, but it's one that is not well understood. And there's a lot of uh, confusion, both about measures, about our theoretical understanding of the concept, and that presents a variety of problems for clinicians. It's certainly a problem in our research, but it becomes very confusing for clinicians and policymakers as well in thinking about, well, how do we promote resilience? How do we understand it in such a way that can help us facilitate adjustment, particularly of, of veterans who served in war zones? And that's the case in this study. We studied a, a trait model of resilience with uh, veterans who served in war zones in Operation uh, Enduring Freedom and Operation um, Iraqi Freedom. And we wanted to see if uh, these personality prototypes that are theoretically defined, if they would occur among these veterans, and if so, would they then be related in such a way that made sense to us clinically to uh, characteristics of these veterans, and then ultimately, over an eight-month period, if uh, these characteristics would be then predictive of their distress on measures of PTSD and depression. So, Tim, you've established the fact that resilience is very important, potentially, in understanding people's trajectory of recovery or experiences following their service. Can you give us just a brief overview of the methods of the study? It might be surprising to think of resilience as a personality trait. In fact, one of the uh, most popular models of resilience that's studied in our literature and discussed quite often is uh, postulated by George Bonanno. And he is very explicit in saying that, from his perspective, personality is not associated with resilience. Resilience is not a personality trait. But in fact, from developmental psychology, with theorists like Jack Block in particular, uh, resilience is considered a very important and, and developmentally critical characteristic that develops in infancy and through childhood, through the toddler years, as a child learns both safe attachments, has safe attachments with parental figures, and feels safe then in exploring the environment. And in many ways, I'm watering this down. But there's quite a history uh, to the research of resilience as a stable personality characteristic for these children through uh, the adolescent years and into young adulthood. A lot of that research, however, is not necessarily available to many of us in uh, clinical or in health and rehabilitation psychology, as we don't routinely read that work. But it's been around for some time. 
And it's typically determined using uh, measures of what we call the big five personality variables and different configurations of those particular variables so that they map out into these prototypes of uh, resilient prototype and then two others, uh, under-controlled and over-controlled, which reflect the degree to which the person feels considerable anxiety uh, in, in interacting with the environment. And uh, in the case of the over-controlled, they're more withdrawn and avoidant. In the case of the under-controlled uh, prototype, much more impulsive, active, but still experiencing considerable negative affectivity and impulse control in doing so. So, Tim, just to summarize, what you all were doing, we're looking to see if these three personality prototypes that you hypothesized were related to the outcomes of interest, that is PTSD or depression, and whether these personality prototypes directly impacted those, in, those outcomes, or perhaps whether they were mediated by the intermediary variables you were measuring, such as social support and coping style. So, Given that interesting questions that you were looking at, what were the key findings of the study? We relied on an ongoing um, longitudinal observational study that had been uh, progress at the Waco VA as part of the Center of Excellence for Research on Returning War Veterans, conducted throughout uh, the Central Texas Veterans Healthcare System. Dr. Sandra Morris said, Dr. Susie Bird Gulliver were very active in obtaining funds to start this study. And uh, it's a large uh, catchment area, mostly rural, Temple, Waco, and then also down to the Austin area. And uh, to be involved in this study, a uh, veteran had to be uh, you know, exposed or, or stationed in a war zone. And then there are a variety of other inclusion and exclusionary criteria so that you know, when they came uh, into the study, we had a pretty good idea of both their, their experiences and that they weren't uh, being treated actively at that time for cert certain problems like a bipolar psychotic disorder. And they completed measures after they consented at baseline and then uh, repeated again at the fourth month and at the eighth month. For our purpose, we were very interested in a personality measure that was given at baseline, the multidimensional um, personality questionnaire, which is based on a temperament model uh, from Aukitelic at the University of Minnesota. And this has three overarching components. There are several subscales, but the overarching components are particularly interesting because negative emotionality, positive emotionality, and constraint are all consistent with the prototype, prototype uh, model of uh, personality resilience. As a resilient individual is considered to be uh, theoretically, high in the disposition to experience positive affect, lower, if you will, in the experience of negative affect, and with the right amount, if you will, of, of constraint. So they're at both a conscientious and yet open to experience. Because theoretically, a resilient personality is going to be characterized by positive emotions, a, a willingness to be actively engaged uh, in the environment, and then a third component, which usually is reflected in the quality of their relationships. And, and then those things we, we, we would look at in terms of both the mediating variables uh, that were given 
at uh, baseline. Uh, a couple were given at baseline. That would be self-reported resilience, a fairly face-valid but popular measure that's given by Connor Davidson. And um, uh, a measure of uh, psychological inflexibility that's uh, used quite often in acceptance and commitment uh, approaches. And uh, so that the higher, that it would give us an idea of the degree to which a person saw themselves as psychologically flexible which would be uh, consistent with a resilient personality. Four months later, they completed measures of coping and, and social support. Again, a resilient person would be higher in social support and uh, we thought would be more uh, active in terms of their coping strategies and less avoidant. And those are the two broad uh, components we looked at, action and avoidant. And then the outcome variables were measured by a, a very well-validated measure of uh, post-traumatic stress symptoms, uh, the PCL, military version, and then the Beck Depression Inventory, uh, this, the, the second version, were given eight months later. And then we used a fairly, uh, a set of complicated statistical procedures, both to create the cluster so that we would see these, uh, if these three personality prototypes existed, and then we ran a path model that would take all of these characteristics into consideration in a theoretical direction and form, controlling for uh, combat exposure. And another independent variable, which I've yet to mention, we wanted to control for the, for the occurrence of a traumatic brain injury um, uh, during deployment. And we used a, a screening device that was common at that time. And so we wanted to see if these personality characteristics were predictive of these mediating variables and the outcome variables, taking into consideration both traumatic brain injury occurrence and uh, combat exposure. Well, what you're talking about, uh, Dr. Elliott, is quite interesting because you indicate that the personality prototypes did not appear to have a strong direct effect on the outcomes, but in fact were working through these other variables, specifically social support, coping style, and a couple others documented in the paper. So what's the take-home message here for clinicians? Because this kind of suggests that there may be factors that they can target in their work with veterans or other people who've had exposure to uh, traumatic events to help improve their resiliency. Well, we found some very interesting findings first we were able to replicate the three prototypical uh, clusters, if you will, using cluster analysis of the personality question. And using that, we found that just over 40% of the veterans could be classified as resilient. They were typified, as we would expect, by having the highest overall uh, average score, if you will, uh, in positive emotionality. They were the lowest in negative emotionality, and they were also uh, highest, although not dramatically so, in constraint. The over-controlled, uh, that was the smallest group, was about 21% uh, of the sample. And the total sample that we analyzed here was 127. And in that group, they were characterized by uh, the highest uh, score on negative emotionality. And then the under-controlled group was, uh, was characterized by low constraint scores. So you, you saw the problems uh, anticipate with impulse control and, uh, and, and activ regulating activity levels. And um, fairly low on positive as well. And the second highest negative score. So that was, that was the first piece. And it, it's important to see that the largest percentage, I think, it's helpful here, 
uh, were those who were resilient. In addition, we had about, I believe it was 44% of the sample uh, met screening criteria for having a TBI during deployment. And so using those, we then started to look at systematic differences uh, between the clusters. And we found some things that sometimes happen when we do this sort of research that the extremes, if you will, the over-controlled and the resilience, uh, if you will, differed on a couple of key characteristics like combat exposure. Um, the over-controlled also had a higher percentage of uh, participants who had uh, TBI. But the differences would break down when we took into consideration that second group. Then when we looked at the PATH model, testing the a priori model uh, gave us some clear indication we need to refit it and look at a couple of other things because one of the things that happened, much to our surprise, there, there was no direct effect, if you will, from the personality prototype variable to the outcomes. Theoretically, we assumed the resilient types would be lower in PTSD and depression. And while that was true, if we just looked at the, uh, the cross-sectional data, our, our simple means test, that wasn't true we took all the variables into consideration in the PATH model. Instead, in the refitted model, it was obvious that the beneficial effects of resilience were mediated by several of the of other variables, particularly social support. Resilience exerted a positive effect on PTSD and depression through its relationship with social support. Higher social support, lower distress scores. Similarly, there was a direct effect, uh, excuse me, a mediating effect through avoidant coping, so that the resilient veterans were, had an association with less, a, a lower tendency to use avoidant coping than what we saw in the other two personality groups. Then there was a, a mediated effect through uh, psychological flexibility, consistent with our notions of, of, the, of resilient char uh, character being more flexible and having a sense of, uh, if you will, of almost plasticity. So they're much more adaptable uh, in routine and in stressful situations. In contrast, the TBI really just did not have any uh, indirect effects through these variables, although there were some associations. But interestingly enough, TBI did have a direct effect with PTSD, so that a positive uh, TBI incurred during deployment was associated eight months later with PTSD. Now, it might be related to the kind of shared characteristics or symptoms that you sometimes see PTSD and TBI. But otherwise, TBI did, did not have uh, strong pronounced effects. And what we saw in the effects of personality on these, onto these mediating variables and then to the outcome variables, those uh, effects were significant independent of TBI occurrence and independent of the covariate combat exposure. And in that, we think those were some very interesting findings with some implications for, for clinical uh, interventions. Well, obviously, Tim, you guys have made a great start on this work. Um, what do you see as the next steps in this line of research? That's a great question for several reasons. As I said earlier, clinically, it's been frustrating to make sense and then have uh, informed applications in the clinical world of the resiliency construct. And here, from, from these data, I think we see several things, both for assessment and for intervention. First, with respect to assessment, while it is admittedly difficult to do a cluster analysis uh, in the clinical setting of uh, these measures that we use, 
these data give us some clear indication that measures of the, the, the common personality traits, things like negative affectivity and extroversion, openness to experience, these things do have merit and they, there's indication in these data that these are very important and maybe much more important than say something like the self-reported resiliency questionnaire that, that is commonly used now. What we look for in the big five, if you will, that would give us some indication of who is at risk would be those who have the higher scores on the negative emotionality dimensions and who would also be low in openness to experience and perhaps also low in extroversion because extroversion is associated with positive emotion and openness to experience is associated with a willingness to engage in the environment. But higher negative affectivity gets in the way of those things with worry and anxiety and depression. And so that then leads us to the next level. When we get some indication of those sorts of things, we want to target those who are experiencing problems and have ongoing dispositions toward uh, negative emotions because those are the individuals who are more than likely going to have problems with both uh, identifying, marshalling, and working in uh, social support systems. You can expect problems in their relationships. Uh, they're going to be the ones having difficult, difficulty regulating their negative thoughts and their negative emotion experiences, and maybe more likely from what we see in, in, in this pattern to, to avoid situations and to rely on avoidant coping strategies, which become very, very problematic, particularly when we think about things like PTSD. In fact, when we look at evidence-based interventions, things like a cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure, one of the hallmarks, if you will, of both of those is the willingness to engage and push forward to not avoid. Avoiding strengthens the association with the negative stimuli. And you're wanting to uh, help people learn some self-regulation skills, but also move forward in, with more active coping strategies that can undermine uh, that unfortunate association that, that has occurred. So I think when we look at, look at those sorts of strategies, we see the value of good personality assessment devices that are available that, that still have some important information for us, even if the person has TDI, and I think that also needs to be uh, taken into consideration. And we get some sense that what's valuable here, looking at the support systems and using strategies to help facilitate uh, good relationships, good support, to rely less on avoidant coping, and then I would also say to cultivate a greater psychological flexibility. All of these are modifiable factors that can be addressed in psychological uh, intervention. Thanks, Tim, for sharing that important and interesting study. This work is a collaborative effort among investigators from a number of institutions, from the VA Medical Center, academia, the VA Center of Research Excellence, a research institute of a health system. It really impresses how, about how your group has come together with academicians, clinicians, researchers, and biostatisticians to do this work. Uh, Dr. Morissette um, conducted this work with funds from the Veterans Health Administration, and it was called Project Serve, as I mentioned. Well, she continued this with a, another grant-funded project uh, that was uh, called Project Serve FX. And what we're doing right now with those data, as well as the data we already have in hand, we're doing 
two things. First, we're going to look at some of the other, if you will, descriptive differences that might exist between a resilient personality prototype and the other two prototypes. And that includes other things that we know are clinically important, things like uh, sleep and sleep problems, health behaviors, distress tolerance, and overall quality of life. So we're going to look at uh, descriptive differences over time in both data sets between uh, those uh, personality prototypes. And we're also going to do something different with the second data set, SurfFX. We have a much more refined, uh, more fine-grained, if you will, uh, measure of TBI, its concomitants, and post-concussive syndromes. So we want to use a better variable, if you will, of TBI to, to, to really make sure we're understanding this correctly about the relationship of TBI and its concomitants with these variables um, cross-sectionally and over time taking personality into consideration. Because this, if you admittedly look at it, this first analysis would give the impression, and perhaps it's a false impression because of the measure, that TBI may not be as important as we sometimes think it might be. We didn't, for example, look at repeated exposures. So we're, we're going to do that, and we're also using another more popular measure of personality, the, uh, the uh, NEO to look at the five uh, uh, common personality traits as we move forward in this research. I think you're showing us in this paper not only important comments about resiliency, but also showing us that to do these kinds of important studies, you really need to be a collaborative effort. And your group is really to be, to be congratulated for this kind of collaborative uh, work. I encourage readers to see our August 2015 issue to learn more about this study and other important papers. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in a couple months. Bye now.